Welcome to the Prolific Author Podcast. Let's face it, readers read fiction to feel emotion and be transported and transformed. In this ongoing digital revolution, where online marketing is always in flux, the only way to create a sustainable author business and live off your royalties is to write transformational stories, market at every stage of the author journey, and cultivate a loyal audience of readers. Fortunately, there's never been more opportunity to make a living as a fiction author. Hi, I'm Liesl Hill, USA Today bestselling author and story clarity coach. When I'm not dictating my own stories about dragons, serial killers, and dystopian worlds, I help other authors write their own transformational fiction, position them as bestsellers, and market them like pros. Join me on the podcast where I give writing tips, marketing how-tos, story advice, and interviews with other authors who are in the trenches just like you and making it work. We are prolific authors. Okay, we are here today with James Reed. How are you doing today, James? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm good, good. Did you have a good uh, Christmas and New Year's? Yeah, yeah. I went over to my mom's for uh, Christmas Eve and had a, a good dinner and hung out. And, nice. Yeah. Good, good. Well, um, usually I have people, authors, start by saying, uh, just tell everyone who you are and uh, what you write. I am J.M.D. Reed. I write epic and dark fantasy. I have two series out on Amazon. One is my first uh, epic fantasy series, which is called uh, The Storm Below. And it's a five book um, door stopper type series. And um, then I have what's currently called uh, Secret of the Jewels, but is getting republished here in early March as, no, I'm sorry, late February as uh, Jewels of Illumination. And uh, it's gonna be the first of, um, 13 books sort of in the same universe that are all going to be coming out this year. It's going to be followed up by Massive Illumination, which is a companion series that wow. has uh, characters that are kind of connected, but it's its own story. Either one can be read in either order and it won't spoil the other one. Mm -hmm. And then coming in August will be Assassin's Illumination, which is a trilogy that kind of has characters from both series um, having their own adventure and kind of dealing with a fallout of the uh, climax of uh, Jewels of Illumination. Nice, nice. So you said uh, 13 books this year. That's That sounds like a big year for you. Yeah, well, five are already published, so we're republishing the okay. Secret of the Jewels and uh, calling it Jewels of Illumination. So there's all the series kind of have like a similar uh, series title scheme. So uh -huh. like, you know, people be like, these are related stuff. Because um, my original series titles, they did not sound related. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we kind of, uh, my team and I kind of figured out like maybe we should change the names of these and make them kind of have like uh, something similar. So Jewels of Illumination, Mask of Illumination, Assassin. Right, of right. So do you have, um, do you have a, a big audience then who, who has read these and, and that's why you're expanding more? Well, the, the hope is that we'll get a good audience. Uh, my self-publishing, uh, I, I got some readers, but I, I'm not so good at the marketing, so I'm working now with uh, Fall Rat Press, and they're planning on kind of going big and, you know, doing some AMS ads and other sort of ads and, you know, to get the book out there, because they're, 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 you know, positive at sales, I just am not reaching readers the right way, so. So tell us a little bit more about them and what they do. You said that they're, um, they just work with indie authors to help them market their books, pretty much? Yeah, yeah, it's it's run by two guys, uh, Jeff Kohanic, who is uh, a best-selling indie fantasy author, 
and Michael Evan, who is a former editor and he's a, and a, like a publicist. So they, uh, they started last year, I think around May. And mm -hmm. what they do is they find any authors that they think have really good books, but are just not finding their audience. And then, uh, you know, promoting, you know, publishing them and promoting them and putting, you know, some good resources behind the marketing to get their name out there more. And, um, you know, uh, I was approached uh, last May when I, I, I met Michael. He, he had read my, uh, my book and he really liked it, Above the Storm, uh, which he said was his favorite book he read in 2020. So nice, <laughs> that was, nice. Yeah. So he's a, so he's a big, he's a big supporter of me and he wants to help me out. So he offered me a publishing contract and, uh, that's awesome. I, I will admit I was a little hesitant cause you hear horror stories of small press publishers, you know, right. but, um, I watched the releases and they were getting their authors like bestsellers on Amazon. So good. It was, good. I said, let's do it. I'm, <laughs> I can't figure this out. So yeah yeah I, i'd rather i'd rather focus on writing than uh, right. figuring out ams ads yeah yeah and that's true of a lot of writers and I, I mean there are the horror stories i think you have to be really really careful but as long as you did your due diligence and could see that they were delivering yeah there's nothing wrong with that at all yeah yeah uh it's because you know there's a lot of them they prey on like new authors that they don't know anything yeah uh, it happened to my editor oh. she got like it really killed her confidence for a while and I thought she would go back to writing but she did luckily because she's got good talent and uh, um but yeah no I, I met another author that just he got like they were supposed to publish his book and then they just uh dropped off the face of the earth and they were a vanity press so they charged him right so, yeah that's the worst the vanity presses yeah well I'm glad she went back to writing though yeah that's new good. authors up yeah new, yeah, here's a warning to new authors. If someone wants to you to pay them to publish your book, it's a scam and just walk away. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so how did you how did you get into writing and especially into fantasy writing? Well, uh, I've always read books as long as I can remember uh, back to like my kindergarten days, you know, uh, just reading like Clifford the Big Red Dog and you know, move on to the Hardy Boys and elementary school, and I read some Jules Verne's, and then my uncle gave me The Hobbit when I was in the fourth grade. We were, uh, I was down in Davis, California, and we were at the, the Slide Hill Park pool of all places, and he's like, here, you might like this book. And so instead of swimming, which is something I rather liked doing when I was a kid, I was reading this book, you know, about this Hobbit going on this adventure with dwarves, and uh, I fell in love with fantasy. And uh, Try to read Lord of the Rings, but in the fourth grade, I was a little too young to really get Lord of the Rings. But yeah. um, I, I had another attempt in the sixth grade. Uh, my uncle bought me like a box set for Christmas. And mm -hmm. uh, so I, uh, I read that and I got, and from there, I just really just read fantasy with some sci-fi, but mostly fantasy from there on out. And I wanted to, uh, by the time I was in junior high, like seventh grade, I was wanting to write my own stories and write, uh, and fantasy stuff. So I was always writing like stories on notebook paper. And I mean, I must've started about a thousand stories because I had ADD. I never finished anything back in junior <laughs> high in high school, but I always wanted to be an author and it always stuck in my head. And uh, in my twenties, I got distracted with working and playing World of Warcraft. Ah. And so my twenties kind of just slipped away from me. But uh, 
in my 30s, I kind of was, uh, I got diagnosed with hypertension, which is high blood pressure. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so it kind of made me go like, well, I'm not going to live forever. If I'm going to do this writing thing, I should probably start doing it. <laughs> and so um, this was 2013. I started trying to write like really hard, you know. Um, yeah. It was really difficult to just force myself to sit there and write. Uh -huh. And it took me a while, but, but I finally, over 2013, finally started writing a lot. And uh, yeah, I've been writing more and more ever since until now I, I go write for a living and, and publish my like fantasy books. And... Nice, nice. So you mentioned earlier that your, your high fantasy are kind of the doorstopper variety. So how do you, what's your process? How do you get those written and how do you keep yourself on track? It's only the first series of doorstoppers. <laughs> I haven't done I haven't done doorstoppers since. It was uh, uh, I still feel scarred by writing that last book, which came out at two hundred and seventy thousand words for the wow. Rock and it took me four months to write. And I remember I was in the middle of it, going like, "I'm never going to finish this novel." <laughs> and it was it was soul crushing because I saw how much I, I have my outlines I'm doing, and I'm like. Uh, and I just see how much it's going to take me to write this. And I'm just like, it's going to take me another two months. And, um, but, uh, I had to learn a lot. Like, you know, they were my first novels that I wrote to completion. Um, you know, Bug Storm was my first novel I ever finished. And, uh, I had to learn a lot about, um, how to plot stories, how to, um, make them connect. I had to do so much rewrites on the series, especially above the storm. I had a, I had a lot of um, missing parts that were not there in the rough draft that I had mm -hmm. to go and put back in. And, you know, I had to, I had to gain confidence in my writing. And, uh, right. and by the time I got to book three, I had to learn how to stop writing my books chrono in chronological order. And instead to like, cause my characters all split up. And so um, it's hard, it's hard for me anyways, to keep the like arc momentum for a character. If I write like a scene from them, then I write a scene from someone else and a scene from mm -hmm. someone, and they're all not really connected. And it's very easy to kind of lose the sort of, you know, building tension or building, you know, the character arc, you know, the, you know, getting their emotional journey straight. And I, so the moment I split the characters, I quickly realized I had a outline for the first time. <laughs> I had to stop. Like I had an outline. It was very rough. I knew like all the major points I wanted in the novel, but it was very like, it was like um, 10 bulletin points mm. for, you know, a, a 150,000, 200,000 novel. So it was really just like the high points. Right. And so I had to figure out, you know, how the logistics of how characters get around. I had a you know, I had to know when they were, uh, their storylines were affecting each other. Yeah. Uh, I had to, so I had to figure out how to organize all that. And then I had to figure out how I had to put it all together so it would be chronologically and, but still have pacing, you know, as uh -huh. I'm jumping around from storyline to storyline. Uh, I mean, I love Tolkien, but I, Tolkien, I mean, how he did his multiple storylines was he wrote off a book and then he jumped over to the other characters and he spent the other half of the book on the other storyline and it's not... Right. Uh, it's, I don't think modern audiences would appreciate that. <laughs> so, so when you, when you say that you, you stopped writing it chronologically, do you then just focus on a single character at a time and write their whole story? And then basically, 
Yeah, so like I would have, um, so you know, you'd have like uh, maybe two characters were doing something here mm -hmm. and there is another three characters. So initially I had sort of my villain POV and that was a new character coming in because I had what the, I could pretty much clean house in the villains at the end of book two. And so, because I was moving on to a different stage in the story and they weren't, they weren't needed any longer. And it's not mm -hmm. to call them villains, I should say it's antagonists because they're, they're, I don't rarely write like real villains or more usually just people with conflicting goals. But on this time, like book three is all about a war. It's a sort of military epic fantasy. And so I wanted to have like the enemy generals POV. So obviously they're doing their own thing for a lot of the book. They have almost no direct interaction with any of my protagonist characters. But I thought it was good to show the war from their perspective. And, uh, and then I had my all my main characters. They were all together originally, but now I'm splitting them up into two groups initially. And so it, I had like two characters staying behind and three characters going off on their journey. And so, yeah, I just would write like a, you know, one character's storyline, like one arc and then another arc and then, uh, but I still have to know like how they affected each other because there were certain reasons or some magical stuff that like there was some amount of communication between the groups. So uh -huh. I did need to know like um, when certain events would happen that would impact the other storyline. So I kind of need to know that. And so it kind of right. determined like how I wrote, which ones I wrote. Uh, like the one that is where the action's happening, the other storyline is reacting to it. I would write the one where the action is happening first. And then okay. I can write the reaction better because I already knew what happened. Yeah, yeah, um, that's a good tip. But then as the book got on, like um, one of the characters that went off with the three, they get captured and go taken off somewhere else. And then one of the, so then we have the two characters that stay behind. One of them leaves to go help them and joins like the other two characters. So they go off and do their own thing and leaves this one character off, like Sarah just sticking around with the war part. And so it was like, yeah, so it was just characters moving around, shifting. I had to figure out like movement of ships and timelines and it was a, I had, a, I had detailed spreadsheets. <laughs> yeah, so I was gonna ask that. So are you just like a, a really heavy plotter now? Uh, now I, and, and so when I started writing like Secret of the Jewels or Jewels of Elimination, this is now gonna be called, um, it's two character POVs. I wanted, after that, I wanted to do a really more intimate, just two character POV series. So, mm -hmm. and they're, they're almost always together. If they're not together, they tend to be working towards the same goal. They're just off in different parts because it's all like in a basically one city. So there's not like a point where they're geographically separated. Okay. You know? Yeah. So I was able to write that chronology, but the whole like doing the detailed arc plans I found was still very useful where I would, um, I found myself, I would have my story, the, the book outline, and then I would do like four or five detailed chapter outlines with the scene breaks and the emotional beats and and that and then I would write that and I found that because I already have this more detailed outline, which is something I found in the other series, I was able to write it a lot faster because I didn't have to. I'd already thought <clears throat> I'd already thought of the uh, the connective tissues and the emotional stuff, so now I'm just basically fleshing out what I'd already figured out, and so it lets me. Uh, not have to pause my writing to think about what are they going to do next because I've already thought about what they're going to do next. But I did right. it in very basic ways where I don't have all the the, the 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 prose and the descriptions and the you know the more emotional detail stuff. So you know it 
kind of worked. And then um, after I'd write like those chapters, usually it was up to like whatever major, the next major story beat, you know, where there'd be some sort of shift to the status quo mm-hmm. that would cause my, then I could sit and reflect on how my characters, you know, went on that journey, what sort of emotional stuff happened and then think about where they go next. So it's kind of pantsing it because I don't like when I do these, the book outline, I really don't have a good idea on the emotional outline, uh, the emotional arcs. And, uh, okay. and there could be a lot of character conflict I could discover in writing their interactions that I might not have anticipated when I thought of the novel. Right. I'm able to like see problems more clearly when I'm in the moment uh, for me. So it's like a hybrid pantsing outlining. Yeah, I, I find that's true of, um, I, I mean, you have people who are just straight pantsers who don't want to outline, but even among outliners, I think you can only, I, I totally agree, outlining helps you to write faster. I think you put it perfectly that you don't have to pause as much to think about it, but I think there's also always going to be some outline or um, some aspects that we always pants, you know, whether it be yeah. conversations or extra things that we're adding in as we go because we didn't think of them, stuff like that. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I've, I've thrown out outlines because things really got off the books, like uh, Mask of Betrayal, which is Mask of Elimination book four. I, I couldn't find the ending, <laughs> like the how I wanted to end it. And I'm writing this book and I'm like, I'm getting closer and closer to the end. I'm like, I'm trying to figure out, you know, what, where to end the book at and sort right. of what emotional and sort of what going to be like the climax of it. You know, because it's the penultimate book, and I had all these ideas, and I couldn't get any of them to work. <laughs> and and so I'm trying to wrap up a love triangle, and uh-huh. so I'm, and it wasn't really much of a love triangle. It was more like I came into the series; it's all written from one. So the entire series is just one character POV. That's how much I, I pared down after my epic one. I went, I did a two POV series, and then I went to a single character POV next, <laughs> just to you know really challenge myself. I think because it's a female character and it's not my strongest writing. So I wanted to challenge myself to do better. Interesting. And so there was like, I went into the series with, with her having three potential love interests and I was going to just pants like which one I felt writing the series that I was feeling the character was most connecting with. Uh-huh. And, um, and I also had two different villain options. Um, so I didn't quite know which, I had like one that was going to be antagonistic from the beginning, but I had ideas that they might like halfway through the series might go like, no, this other character is really worse. And that mm-hmm. they have to like team up after being enemies for like the first half of the series is an idea I had. And um, yeah. so, and so I, I wasn't, and so at the end of book four, I kind of had to pull the trigger on which one is going to be the ultimate, you know, enemy and which, who should be like the ultimate love interest and stuff like that. And so I was like, okay, I, I kind of really had it all figured out at that point. So I was just still struggling to find the climax. And so I'm writing this scene. It's supposed to be just like, hey, you know, I know you're into me, but, you know, I like this other guy. And it was just supposed to be like, you know, kind of just, you know, stop having your hopes. It's not happening type of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And instead, um, it went really dark as I kind of understood this character in this moment of like everything I had written for four books on this character, it all kind of clicked into my mind, just who this character exactly was and why they were helping my main character. And it went really dark and it provided <laughs> my, uh, provided my climax. Yeah. And it also provided the emotional arc of my main character in the next book. Nice. So yeah, it was, uh, and I had that, and I, it was really in the moment of writing it that I discovered it. 
uh, and I was kind of shocked. Like I'm, I'm sitting here going like, oh, this is happening, isn't it? I took a moment to <laughs> pause in my writing to go like, oh, okay, this is, I'm, I've made some connections here I hadn't really thought about before, but, and I yeah. took a moment to think, do I really, do I really want to go with this impulse I just had? And I was like, no, I do. This is exactly like where I think the character would go as I'm here in the moment. I'm like, all right, let's, let's do this. Wow. That's, that's kind of yeah. fun though when that happens, huh? It's a uh, second time it's ever really happened to me where like, like something really just budded in on my idea and just said like, no, this is, you're doing it wrong and this is what you got to do. Yeah. And it happened to me in um, book five of the storm below too, but uh well, that kind of segues into something else I'd like to ask you, um, because you say you write dark fantasy, and I've kind of noticed that not everybody, even among authors, not everybody knows what dark fantasy is, but it's also, there's not like one hard and fast definition for it. So what is your definition of dark fantasy as you write it? So it's not grimdark where okay. you know, it seems to be like, so it's like dark fantasy is more like, uh, it's just kind of more grounded in the real world where things are not black and white where your okay. main characters have flaws and where um you know where i'm more than willing to to tackle very kind of mature themes of like you know uh, drug use and alcoholism and mm. um you know sexual assault and so it's it's not um it's not like bright hope fantasy where it's things are for the most part like you know there's something you could like anyone of all ages could read like right hope fantasy i would say right um whereas like uh and or just like even not even that bad but like so it's just like just a willingness to tackle some of the darker parts of the human psyche and to go into and but ultimately i do prefer you know to have like kind of happier endings so kind of uh you know they're not going to be downer endings for the most part there might be some you know some th bad things are going to happen to characters that I like and there's going to be grief and loss, but um, there's always kind of a note of, I would say they're dark. They're like, it's like grim dark, but I keep a note of optimism and hope in the story that okay. things can get better, that you can like get redemption, that people are really bad, but they're also can be really good. That yeah. potential to be both a saint and a devil are within every single one of us. Right. Is, uh, Kind of a, a really big theme so yeah and so kind of to make things like to show the good stuff good uh you have to really show the dark stuff as well yeah uh, yeah i agree with you on that <laughs> so um so that's why i call it and like that's yeah yeah no i i just always ask people because everybody has a little bit of a different definition for what they think dark fantasy is and i, I don't think any of them are right or wrong yeah. i'm just always curious to see what people say genre is a very nebulous thing to begin with so it is especially yeah, when you start it really is. tearing it down yeah so um you write under your initials jm reed and why don't you tell us about how you decided to go with your initials instead of your full name uh if someone publishes james reed like 50 years ago <laughs> so i didn't want to have so i was like well i have a because my full name is james michael dean reed and so i was like well i can be jmd reed and use all those initials and yeah look all authorly so <laughs> i mean like uh, you know like jr or not um harry potter what is her name she's uh jk rowling right JK rowling, she doesn't yeah. have a middle she doesn't have a middle name she just like 
I wanted to like go by initials, but I was only like Joanna Rolig. So she invented like a K. Yeah. <laughs> just to give her an extra initial. Because you know, I don't know, it sounds authorly when you go by like your initials. It does. For some reason. Yeah. It does. And so was the other guy who published under that name, was it the same genre? No, it was like, uh, I don't remember. It was like um, nonfiction. Oh, okay. And have you ever had anyone mix you up with him or anything like that? Weirdly, I've had like Google, like, um, like Google, like, uh, I think I saw like Google, like has something where they just like track authors and they have me mixed up with this guy, even really? by my initials. Interesting. Yeah. And, uh, and Amazon, like, you know, if I, uh, if, I don't know if you've ever used like ACX to do audiobooks, uh -huh. but they, I will always find like James Reed's, um, books cause they, uh, cause ACX goes by your like the name that your actual name because like okay, when yeah. you set up your account and so like my legal name is James Reed and so that's what they always search for just by <laughs> default um, yeah. before you search for your book to claim the rights to it and um, ACX this is very authorly for people out there who don't know <laughs> so ACX is how you do audiobooks through Audible right. it's their website it makes it really easy well, but I think it's important for people to be like thinking about this when they think about what pen name they're going to, you know, publish under. And I, I yeah. mean, they might be small kind of, kind of first world problems, but they are things you have to deal with when you, you know, get into publishing. So. Yeah. Make sure no one else is published under your name. Um, that's just, you know, it's okay to use your real name, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, just make sure no one else uses your real name first. Right. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. So, I mean, obviously you have 13 books coming out this year and that's going to be kind of what you're doing for the foreseeable future. But after that, what other plans do you have? Will you keep writing fantasy? Awesome. Of course. I, will only, I don't know if I'll ever not write fantasy. Yeah. That's what I like. Um, I have more stories planned in the Illumination universe, uh, more with the characters. Um, I've always, I don't, I created the universe with the idea that not only would it have like sort of a meta story of like all this stuff is building towards something, but that it's just a big world that I could put so many different smaller stories in that might just not have any real connection, but they're in the same universe and take place at about the same time. And you'll see a lot of, uh, the same times. Like a lot of my short stories are set in different parts of the world and they're kind of very foundational for a lot of the stuff that's in the main books. Like I explore ideas or come up with new um, you know, ways to use the magic system. Nice. And I'm also working on an, a fantasy quest series. It's a bit more, not dark fantasy, but a bit more um, like regular fantasy. So it's kind of epic quest fantasy, something like a, a David Edding's um, Bulgaria is actually kind of something like that. Okay. And uh, I'm writing book three of that. And as soon as I'm done with, editing assassins i gotta finish writing book three of assassins um i just finished book two like uh on saturday mm. and so i gotta write book three and then i gotta edit them up to get them ready for a release in august and then i'm going to go on the series called shadows of the dragon and it's going to be a long series i'm not sure how many books yet um seven eight maybe ten yeah we'll see and uh, it's it's more uh, it's it's a lot of character POVs, um, but so far they're all staying together. So I haven't really had to do too much finagling with uh, the timelines. And um, yeah, it's well, there are actually be dragons in it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yep. Good. Um, so the whole point is that dragons were finished. And uh, so the main, so there's, the main characters are a guy, a boy named Yudan and a girl named Voni. And they're from this little mountain village. Um, and the girl Voni, her father is feared by everyone in the village because he is this sort of dark wizard that came to their village, you know, right when she was a baby and built some like, you know, foreboding tower and everyone in the village is scared of her. And because of that, they're all scared of her. And so Yudin's like her only friend. And anyways, her, her father is abusing her in preparation for a ritual. So she is like having um, sigils carved into her flesh. It's very, it's very terrible for her. <laughs> and anyways, uh, Yudin, like when the ritual happens very in the beginning of book one, Yudin goes up there and he's going to go save his friend because he's very much a, he very much sees himself as like a hero out of a story. He wants to be like the, 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 the knight that goes and saves the princess. It's very much what he wants to do. He's, you know, he's 16 and he like, he likes the girl, you know, and he wants, so he's like, I'm going to go and there's some crazy stuff going on in her father's tower and I'm going to go stop it. And he interrupts a ritual to put the soul of one of like these dragons into her body as part of like a, a plan to resurrect them for the goals of a, a group called the apostasy. And so Boney ends up with the soul of uh, Lady Pestilence and her, uh, who is one of these like six dragon lords. And it's, she's like in a fight to like keep her, her body because the soul inside of her wants to possess it. And they're now on like a, a journey to try to find a way to get it out of her. And they get, they're being hunted by uh, sort of a wizard warrior named uh, Ron. She's uh, she's like been tasked to track them down. And so the first book is them kind of running from her and their little adventures. And then it just sort of builds from there as they get to learn more about why this dragon was put in her and what the goals of the villains are, you know, what the stakes are. And we, we get to meet some more characters and travel around this world that I hope would be uh, interesting. I'm putting a lot of um, uh, interesting elements, you know, like strange, uh, Stuff that's just not possible in our world, and it's, I've been having a lot of fun with it. And I'm Good. Thirty thousand yeah. words into book three, so. Yeah, that sounds it. like fun. That sounds great. So. Yeah. What um, advice would you give to authors who are still aspiring and and just trying to get started? You need to write. I don't. It doesn't matter what it is you're going to write. Just write something. You don't ever have to show it to anyone, but you can't be any good at writing unless you practice it. Even if you have really good natural talent for it, you need to train it. You need to learn the discipline to sit down and write. You should, uh, if you're not able to write every day, um, I mean, you, you need to just find an hour every day to write. And if you want to be an author and you want to get words published, you could do a lot with an hour a day. If you, you know, you can get, oh, you can write a book in three months with an hour a day writing. Yeah. Yeah. Those are wise words. Yeah, for sure. So um, where can people find you and your work? If they want oh, to yes, they can. You can find me on my, my blog, which is jmd-read.com. I'm okay. on Facebook under JMD Read, And also I have a, a fan group called Fantastic Worlds of the Imagination, where we post uh, fun stuff every day, like, you know, caption pictures or polls right now we're having a poll on what's faster a european swallow or an african swallow <laughs> to answer the uh the python question and uh so we'll see what uh, people think is the faster and, yeah, uh, yeah so we just just have fun and a place to share my writing and i'm also on twitter at jmd read great 
Well, I will link to all of those in the show notes. Um, thank you so much for talking to us today. It was really fun and it'll be fun to see where your books go once they get uh, republished and everything. Yes, thank you. It was really great. Me again. Before you go, if you found value in this episode, I would love it if you could leave me a review. Reviews are the best way to show your appreciation and help others find this podcast. Be sure to screenshot it, share it on your favorite social media network, and tag me at LK Hill Books. Remember, the world needs your stories. Only you can change someone's heart with your fire-breathing dragons, your mind-blowing mysteries, your epic romances, and your intense thrillers. So join the revolution and be a prolific author.